Uh, thank you, as always, Pastor CJ, and um, also thank you to the church for allowing me uh, to come before you and just um, sometimes I always want to be cautious on saying preach because I still struggle within myself to call myself a preacher. Um, I just feel blessed to be able to speak to you what God has put on my heart and uh, for what I believe is for you tonight. And so I just want to say thank you and how honored uh, I am for that. Um, while we're getting ready, if you would like to turn into your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18 tonight. You know, as we was worshiping God, every one of the songs that we sung tonight was talking about who God is, who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but I believe that I, we serve a mighty God, an all-powerful God, an uh, amazing God. And uh, so that's what we're going to be kind of talking about tonight is who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? So in Matthew chapter 16, verses uh, 13 through 18, it says, When Jesus came to the re region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, uh, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So simply what we're going to be talking about tonight is who do we say God is? Because I know growing up, I came from a non-Christian home. My parents didn't go to church. So anything I knew about God, it was from my grandmother. It was from the youth pastor at the church that I attended. It was from the pastor. I didn't grow up and automatically think God is this person that cared about me to send His Son to die upon the cross for me. All I knew is what I heard from others. And that was good. I was hearing a lot of good things and it really started to make me think about how I came about why I was put on this earth to begin with. Because how many of you at some part in your life wondered, how did we get here? Why am I here? What is my purpose? We all have think, uh, thoughts like that sometime in our life, whether very uh, young in life or after we get older. We always think about those things. And know that there had to be something greater 
that has created all this. For a world that has all the different planets and solar systems, there had to be something other than just the Big Bang to create all of this. To say it just happened by circumstances like taking a Rolex watch, taking it to pieces, putting it in a bag, shaking it a million years, and expecting to pull out a Rolex watch. Probably not going to happen. So it has to be something greater. And so I began to search. I began to not only take what my pastor was teaching me, not only was I trying to take what the youth pastor was teaching me and what my grandmother was teaching me, but I also got into the Word myself to try to figure out what made this world come into existence. To find out what my purpose in life is. And why I was here. There were no bedtime prayers in my childhood. I was raised in a house without much faith. When did you decide to become a Christian? I was walking home from class. It was dark. And I was struggling with a lot of things. And I, I turned the corner and right there in front of me was this church. It had this old sign out front, but it just it stopped me in my tracks. And the sign, the sign said, who do you say that I am? And as I read it, I could hear the Lord speak to me. You know, I couldn't get that question out of my head for days. So that was the start of a journey that didn't end until I found the answer. And that was one of the questions I began to have. Is who? God was speaking to my life at a young age. Who do you say I am? Through the Bible. This is what I found God to be. God is love. John uh, 4, 1 John 4 and 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. God is our hope. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. All peace as you trust him. So that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now let's take a little break right there. Just in those few little couple of scriptures that I read. We talked about. God, and we also talked about Jesus, and we also talked about the Holy Ghost. Why do you think we talked about three different things? It's because of the Godhead. God the Father, which is the creator, he created life. He created this world. But man messed it up by sinning in the garden. So because 
man messed it up. We needed a Savior. So God sent his Son, God the Son, Jesus, to die upon that cross, to be the perfect Lamb, to be the one that we don't have to worry about going to some priest, giving our best of what we have, either our best lamb, our best oxen, and hope that that priest is right to go into the holy and of holies to make the sacrifice on our behalf. Because when Jesus died, he was the perfect lamb that was slain, and it tore the veil from the holy of holies from the top to the bottom, representing that we don't have to go to some man for our our, our sacrifice we can go to god the father god the son ourself and enter into the holy of holy the enter into the most presence of god and then after jesus died and ascended into heaven he sent his comforter god the holy ghost to be with us to guide us through a life because god the son the man he could only walk with us but God, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, is there with everyone at all time because He's omnipresence. He's everywhere at once. So He's able to be with me and my need, but He's always He's also there for Danny and his need, and He's there for Miss Frankie with her needs. Because He loved us so much. So He's everywhere. He's our joy. Even in the sad time in James 1 and 2, it said, count it all joy when the trials of life come to you. Because it's through those trials that our patience is made strong. It's when our strength comes to us is in those trials. When we get to a point where we say we cannot do it on and on, here we are, God, you help us. He can intervene. And then we can say it wasn't us because we tried. We can say, God helped us. So he's our hope. He's our joy. He's our strength. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, he gives us strength. He gives strength to the weary and increase the powers of the weak. You could be the little weepiest kid on the block. But when you get the Holy Ghost a part of you, then you're the strongest man on the block. Nothing can tear you down when you have the Holy Ghost on your side. And believe me, Satan will attack you each and every day as you walk with Christ. But greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. He is our provider. How many of you tonight have been in a point of your life where you was in desperate need of something, whether it was a healing, whether it was a financial blessing, whether it was something going on in your kid's life, and you did not have any other control but to give it to God. And how many times did He provide? There's been many times in my little short life, and I, I'm blessed to only being around for 36 years, but God has shown me in my little short life that He is the provider. And He does care about enough about me, about my little problems. 
half the time I'm the one that get myself into those problems. Just being stupid, you know? Get myself in the problems. But God still loves me to say, you know, Vincent, you was pretty stupid, but I'm still going to help you out. And he grabs me by the hand, and he walks me through that situation and set me back on that solid rock. And then he blesses me for being stupid, you know? But ain't that what a loving father is all about? Even when your child does the craziest thing, you still love them, you still care about them, and you still want the best for them. That's what any parent wants. You may not believe it tonight, but you are a child of the king. You are a child of God, and he loves you. And no matter how stupid you act, he still loves you, and he still cares about you. And I know that's a pretty strong word, but sometimes we act pretty stupid. Sometimes you just got to call it like it is. He's our shelter. When the storms of life is raging all around us, He's our shelter. He's our healer. And I know that's where a lot of people have struggles in life. Believing that God is their healer. I struggle with that one part in my life as well. Young into the ministry. I've just been in the ministry a couple of years. And my dad got real bad sick. Had a heart attack and then went in and had surgery and then a life about a year long battle with staph infection and everything else the last year of his life he stayed in the hospital more than he did out for that entire year I pray God I know you are the healer you're still on the throne you can speak to him and he can walk out of that hospital room right now and I had my mind made up that he was going to do it. It never happened. I got very depressed for a while. I was still preaching at the time. I was still going up in the pulpit saying, God, you can trust God. But I was fighting a battle inside. Because I prayed for my dad to be healed. And he wasn't. I had a, the pastor that actually done the funeral. He contacted me about six months after the, the funeral. And he said, Brother Vincent, I just feel like I needed to call you and just talk to you. He said, I feel like you are blaming God for your dad's death. I hadn't talked to him since the funeral. I hadn't mentioned anything. He said, I want you to know your prayers was heard. Your prayers was answered. Because he might not have received that healing on this earth. But he received the greatest healing of all. 
Because when he left out of this life, he walked out on the streets of gold. No pain, no sickness, no more heart attack, no more staph, no more diabetes. And as long as I keep my life right with God, as long as I walk my life and run the race that God has placed before me, I will be able to stand before my dad one of these days and wrap my arms around him. Because of the blessed hope that God gives us. So he is our healer. Whether we receive it on this part. Or after we cross over into glory land. He's our redeemer. He's the alpha and omega. The beginning and the end. The first and last. He's the counselor. He's our help in the time of need. Now I've talked about a little bit about who our God is. Pastor CJ has talked many times about who our God is. We sing songs all the time about who our God is. But guess what? In the scheme of things, and I want you to go with me. Don't shut me off by me saying this, so be patient. But when you think of it as yourself, someone else telling you who God is, you singing songs about who God is doesn't mean a thing. Because you might know who God is, but do you really know Him? It's until you have that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where you're walking and talking with Him daily. That's when things in your life will change. And it it will change. You will see it in the things that you do. You will see it in the way you talk to people. If you truly allow God to fulfill your life and really come into your life and you have a relationship with Him, you won't do the same things you've always done. Doesn't mean that He's going to change your whole world. You're still going to have the same personality, but He's going to use it for His glory instead of Satan's. I talked to many teenagers over the past 13 years of serving as a youth pastor. And a lot of people, a lot of times the reason why they don't truly commit to a life of Christ is because they don't know how. And a lot of people, there's even a lot of adults that just don't know how to make the decision to live for God. How do I know this? One of the things that we do in our house uh, before each meal and if you don't know who, what I do outside of this church, I'm a house parent at New Beginnings Children's Home. So I deal with 11 kids a day. God help me, please. No, God, God's blessed me, and I love it. I really do. It's been the biggest rewarding uh, experience of my life. And since we've been there, we have got the pleasure to be with 50 kids that needed a family 
And one thing that we do is before our meal, we pray over our meal. And we always ask the kids, would you like to pray? And we go around the table at each meal and have a different person pray. And there's been times I would ask a child, would you like to play? I don't know how. You can even ask some adults, would you like to pray? I don't know how. Because no one told them how easy it is to pray. You ready? I'm about to tell you how to pray. And it's only going to cost you $19.95. No, I'm just kidding. It's free of charge. Talk to him like you would your best friend. How easy is that? Because that's who God's supposed to be. Is your best friend. Yes, you're not seeing him face to face, but it doesn't matter. He's there. You can feel him. And all you have to do when you pray is just talk to him. Like you are your best friend in the world. Build a relationship. How do you do that? By talking to him. Doesn't mean you have to walk around and say, How are you doing up there, man? Everything good? People are going to think you're crazy, yes. But in your quiet time, when, it, when you feel like it's a need, you can just go to him and say, God, you see where I'm at, you see the struggles I'm having. You know the people that is needing prayer for healing, financial blessings. Lord, also, here's where a lot of people don't like to do. They always want to ask for things. But God, what do you want me to do for you today? Would you like me to speak to somebody at my work? Will you put somebody on my heart so I can go and share the good news with? Just having a conversation with God. That's how you build a relationship. So let's look at a few things. On how to build. Our relationship. Like I said number one. Talk to him like you're your best friend. How do you meet a friend sometime? You introduce yourself. Some of us is at that stage in our walk with Christ. We've never truly known God. We don't know who God really is. We've just heard things about Him. But we don't know who God is. So we need to introduce ourselves to God. Find an altar here at the church. Find an altar at your house, in your closet, whatever. And say, God. This is Vincent here. I'm new to this. I don't know who you are, but I'm willing to open my life to you. You are the creator of this world. You created me. You love me enough that you sent your son to die upon that cross. For my sins. So I give my sins to you right now. Just come into my life and forgive me. Is that hard? It's just introducing yourself. Accepting him 
to be a part of your life. After you introduce yourself to him, ask him into your life, ask him to forgive you. Then how do you meet a friend? After you introduce yourself, in order to build a friendship, what do you do? You hang out with them. You communicate with them. Same way with God. After you come to these altars and you ask for forgiveness, then you begin a communication with Him. Best way to find out anything you want to know about Him is in the Word of God. Now I know in our society, reading a book a lot of times is a cuss word. Many people don't like to read anymore. We much rather sit in front of the TV and watch things we shouldn't. Let's turn it off a little bit and let's get to know the creator of the world that loves you enough to care for you, to send his son so you can have life everlasting. As you're reading and getting to know more about him, also speak to him and say, God, will you interact with me? Will you send your Holy Spirit to encamp on me, to walk with me, to communicate, to be able to feel your presence in my life? And watching grow. It's like a friendship. If you meet a friend and you hang out and get to know one another and in the next four or five years you don't ever speak, you think that friendship is still going to be there? Probably not because they're going to kind of move on their, with their way and you're going to kind of move on with your life. But if you truly want a friendship to stick, you're going to communicate, you're going to go visit, you're going to help them in their time of need. That's the same way with God. If you want God to be there, you've got to communicate. You can't just put him on the shelf and come to him just when you have a problem. Try that with your friend. Only time you ever go to him is to borrow money. You think they're going to be friends very long? Probably not. But if you go out of your way and you help each other and and you go out to eat and visit, then you're going to have a, a good friendship. And that's what God is wanting. He's wanting that communication. Number three, be honest with God because He already knows. You know, there's there's times you can hide things in your life, what's going on in your life. You can hide it from your friends. You can even hide it from your family sometimes. But you can't hide it from God. Because He knows you before you know Him. You're sitting under my voice and He can tell you every hair that is on your head. He can tell you every hair that has fallen out of your head. He knows everything about you already. All he wants you to do is communicate it with him. I've heard this question from a lot of people. If God knows me so well and he knows I'm in this problem, why don't he just go in and fix it? 
A lot of times he just wants you to talk to him. And when he knows you're serious about him, then he's going to be there to guide you. Doesn't mean he's going to give you the answer you want. It's kind of like I was talking about earlier. I wanted my dad to receive the healing on this earth. So it wasn't the answer I wanted. But at the same time, if he did heal my dad and let him walk on this earth, what to say the next year something else would have happened to him. I don't know what would have happened if he would have lived, but God does. And maybe God was preventing something else even worse to happen. And what we can only see going forth in our life, we can only see what's here and now. But God, he's able to see what's going to happen. He already knows the decisions you're going to make. And he's going to try to guide you in the right way. But he's going to allow you to make your own choices. And isn't that a way what most good parents do in life? A lot of parents, they've been down some of the hard roads. And they see their kids going around the same hard roads that they used to run. And parents try to warn them. Son or daughter, you don't want to go that way. You don't want to go that way. Blame me. My mom and dad done it to me and I thought they was off the rocker somewhere. But the longer I'm living, the smarter I, I, I realize they really was. And there's a lot of times I wish I could go back and listen to some key points in my life. I'm going to share this one last story. And it's of my, my stepdad. And I'm just going to go on and apologize if I start crying. Because it's hard for me to ever talk about this man without crying. Because he came into my family when I was only five years old. My mom and dad got divorced when I was uh, four. and uh, No, I was three at the time. And uh, moved back with my grandparents and. My mom and dad, stepdad got married and all I thought is he was trying to take my dad's place. I didn't think he had any right to try to tell me what to do. He wasn't my dad. Some of you may be thinking, that sounds familiar. But, and so, I never listened to him. I caused problems. I tried to split my mom and stepdad up. I was a problem child. I'll be honest. And it worked for a little bit. My mom and stepdad separated for a little bit and they they always tell me it wasn't it wasn't due to me, but I still feel partially the blame on that because I know how I acted. And even in my teenage years, I caused nothing but trouble for him. 
My mom and dad has been married for 27 years now. Most step parents would have gave up. But that man stuck behind me. He loved me even when I didn't deserve to be loved. And he never gave up on me. He always tried to teach me the lessons about finances. How to be a good employee. And I wouldn't listen. But he never gave up. He never stopped loving me. He's still there for me today. About eight years ago, it was right before me and Brittany got married and I was living on my own. And I've always heard the story from my mom and dad growing up. You work. You get what you work for. Which meant you don't have the money, you don't get it. And I got myself into a lot of trouble because I didn't listen to my stepdad about finances and about uh, student loans and scholarships and making good grades. I didn't listen to him about any of that. I knew better than he did. And I got myself in a lot of credit card debt. Thought I had to have the newest truck out there. Went and got a brand new truck. Only had four miles on it when I bought it. I was only working a part-time job with Coca-Cola and driving a school bus. Barely making maybe $23,000 a year. But here I am driving around this $50,000 truck. Don't ever do that. Payment was higher than my house payment at the time. My house payment was only 200 My truck payment was 500 I might as well just lived in the truck. It was nicer than my house. I had creditors calling me constantly, harassing me. Had me so scared that they was going to come start garnishing my checks. I just gave them all my money. I didn't keep money for food. And for a month and a half, the only thing I had to eat, three meals a day, was Roman noodles. Three meals a day. And it was so bad that I could only have one package at each meal. My stepdad and mom came over for a visit after a month and a half of this. They came over to my house because normally I go over theirs. And, but this one time they just, I don't know what made them, but they drove over to visit me. And, uh, of course, mom, being mom, she had to go through and check out everything. She noticed all I had was ramen noodles. They asked me about it. I said, that's all I can afford. They said, how long have you been doing this? I said, a month and a half now. He just broke into tears. 
He said, why? Why didn't you tell me? I said, because you always told me you work for what you get. And that's all I can get. And he just wept for 30 minutes straight right there in my little camper, just weeping. After he finally was able to get himself together, he said, load up in that truck. And they went out and bought me groceries and said, don't you ever get yourself in that situation ever again. We told you those things, hopefully, to teach you to be smart with your money. We don't want you to go hungry. And this is after all the things that I've done to him. That's how good my stepdad was to me. But you know, God is so much greater. And he cares for you so much that he laid his son's life down for you. And he don't want another day to go by without having that relationship with you. You may be in this room and you may say, you know, I haven't talked to God in a while. He's right there waiting for you to pick up that phone. Because he loves you that much. So, you know, I have a good relationship with God, but, you know, I don't talk to him every day. He longs for that communication each and every day. He wants to spend time with you. So I'm going to ask you the question. Who do you say God is? Worship team, head on back. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to make this very simple, very painless. I'm not going to draw it out. I want you to just think of that question. Who do you think? Who do you say God is? What is he to you? And if you could say God is my all in all, he's, he's all of those things that we talked about. He's my, he's my shelter. He's my hope. He's my love. He's my peace. He's the way maker. Then you're probably on the right track where you need to be. But if you say, you know, Brother Vincent, I don't have any ideal of what you're talking about. I don't know God like that. I just know of Him, but I don't truly know Him. He wants to meet you tonight. And so this is kind of a two-part altar call. First off, if you don't know God, I pray that you really seek after Him tonight and 
just begin to start opening those communication lines. And I pray that you ask Him into your heart tonight. And you may be this other side. Number two, you may know God and you know how real God is in your life. You've experienced the move of God in your life. But you may say, Brother Vincent, you know, I've kind of gotten a little laxed a little bit in my walk with Christ. I don't communicate with Him every single day. I don't get into the Word every single day. And I tell you tonight, God is missing that communication with you. And He's wanting to make it stronger than ever before. He wants to put a new touch, a new healing, a new blessing in your life. And we just need to recommit our life to Him each and every day. So whether you're in the first part or the second part, I'm just going to open the time of prayer. Whether you want to move out of your seat and come to the altars to kneel in reverence or if you just want to make that a place of prayer right where you're at. And I want you to truly begin to speak to Christ. I'm going to shut off the mic and I'm even going to be praying up here. If you would like me to pray for you, I'm definitely open to that so just find a place and talk to God for just a little bit whether it's to make a commitment to Him or to rededicate a recommitment to Him